Chapter 2 of The Adventures of Diggledy Dan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Wayne Cook. The Adventures of Diggledy Dan by Edwin P. Norwood. Chapter 2 In Which Dan Hears the Message from Tubotan now when the pretty lady with the blue-blue eyes had reached the very outer edge of spangleland she brought her white-white horse to a pause and diggledy dan paused too there they stood forming a picture for all the world like one you must have seen in a story-book only it was much more wonderful than that could ever be for no artist could ever have quite caught the blue in the lady's eyes or the gold that lay in her hair for oddly enough, her yellow curls gleamed, though by this time the twilight had come, and the lights of the night began to blink and to wink away off in the streets of the town. Then the pretty lady began to speak. Dan, for now I know you are Diggledy Dan, what is in this great white tent that stands so near where we stand? Why, answered Dan, there's monkeys and lions and tigers and things, and quite so, the lady broke in. It, then, is the tent that we want. Now, listen to me with both your funny white ears and with all your two twinkling eyes, for this is the message from Tubotan to all the animals of Spangleland. Beginning on the morrow and on every day thereafter, there is to come a wee little hour in the twilight when all the monkeys and lions and tigers and things are to be let out of their cages, allowed to dance and to play and do as they will. But, oh, pretty lady, that will not do at all, burst in Diggledy Dan. Their cages are locked. There's no hour to spare, and, and maybe they'd eat folks up. But for answer, the lady only laughed, the laugh that was so like the tinkle bells. <laughs> have no fear, Diggledy Dan. All that has been thought out by far wiser heads than yours. You see, it was this way. Ever so long ago, Tubotan, who is the very biggest monkey in all the world, called a meeting of all the animals in faraway jungle land. And when they had gathered on the highest peak of the mountains, where Tubo holds his wonderful court, Tubo rose and made this very solemn speech. It was, as many of you know, the very dearest wish of my honored father, Vargu, that the day might come when something could be done to make easier the lot of our fellow animals who have so nobly sacrificed their freedom and consented to spend their lives in red and golden cages, that the children may have their circus days. Of late I have had my learned counselors go into this matter very thoroughly, and they have found, but yesterday, written on the face of a great stone in the depths of a certain cave in a certain mountain, this remarkable decree. On the day when Diggledy Dan has been a clown for a hundred years and a day, as a reward for the great joy that he has given little children through all his merry life, he will be granted the privilege of releasing all animals from their cages at every setting of the sun. 
"And so," continued Tubal Cain, looking out from under his bushy eyebrows, "this meeting of all the animals has been called, that we may discover just who this Diggledy Dan may be, where he is, and, most important of all, whether he has yet been a clown for a hundred years and a day." "But," interrupted Dan, as the Pretty Lady reached this point in her story, "I've been here with the circus for ever and ever and ever so long." "Of course you have," agreed the Lady. "But, you see, Tubotan has been so busy with other matters that he didn't know that you had. But I knew, for I am the Fairy of the Circus, the one who watches over all the riders and all the clowns and all the people of the big and little tents, the one who knows just what each one of them does every single day. And so, when Tubo had finished speaking, I jumped to my feet and I said, I could find you in no time at all. Then we waited until the hour should come when you had been a clown for a hundred years in a day. And when it came, I at once called for my white, white horse, and, as you know, came through you through the skies as you slept. And now, for the hour grows late, and you will soon be needed in the very biggest tent to laugh and to dance and to play all your pranks, let us be quick. Tomorrow, at half-past twilight, when, when do you say? puzzled Dan. At half-past twilight, repeated the lady, which reminds me that I have a watch for you that you may be very sure of the hour, a very precious watch, fashioned from the petals of a great white flower that never blossoms, except when the twilight comes, and then only for a wee short hour. Even as she spoke, the pretty lady tugged at a silver thread that lay in the maze of the mane of her white, white horse, and presently there appeared, from the opposite side of her snowy mount, the queerest-looking watch that ever told time. It was as round as a pancake, but not one-quarter as thick. Indeed, it seemed to have no thickness at all. This, said the lady as she unhooked the thread, is the petal watch. You are to keep it tucked away in the peak of your round, funny hat. And each evening, just at half-past twilight, it will open and put forth its petals, and then you will know it is time to let loose the monkeys and tigers and lions and things. And as Dan, taking the watch, knelt down to fold it away in the crown of his hat, there came a great burst of music from the very biggest of all the bigger tents. At the sound of it, the white, white horse began to prance, and then the pretty lady's curls set flying by the speed of his gallop, was off through the night to the west. For a moment, Diggledy Dan made as if to follow. Then he turned, and holding his hat very tightly, as if fearing he might lose the watch that was to be so useful on the morrow, he skipped away toward the great tent from whence the music came, singing as he ran. End of chapter 2